Hola. Hi, I'm JJ Saldana. Tú dices bienvenidos. Well, you said you're supposed to say hi then. No, I say I've always said hola. Okay, go. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you know what? Every time you mess up the intro, you buy me a drink. One no. shot. No. Yes. You no. already owe me like seven. Whatever. You drink <laughs> we, too if much. we go in the back. Okay. Hola. Bienvenidos. I'm JJ Saldana. And I'm Rebecca De Leon, and welcome to The Latino Card. We are recording out of the Radio Boise studios today, and we have a very special guest. Very, very special. We're super excited to introduce Rachel Spacek. Rachel, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. <laughs> so, uh, Rachel is the uh, new-ish, I mean, you've been there for a while, but you're the new-ish Latino affairs reporter for the Idaho Press, a position mm -hmm. that was current or previously held by um, Nicole Foy, who's no longer with us. May she rest in peace. <laughs> but before we start, I just want to give a shout out again. Um, our, our music is done by Joey Horton. Um, he has been so fantastic to work with. We love the music for our podcast. We have a theme song. We have a theme song. <laughs> He's made us so official and we're so excited. So if you like this music and um, he does you would like, stuff. yeah, if you would like to work with him as well, let us know. We will hook you up. Um, but for now, Rachel, let's get to know you. Welcome to Idaho. Welcome to the podcast. We're super excited to have you. And uh, so what? When did you start again? It's been like a few months. Yeah, it's been like three months, I think. I think I started in July. Okay, so, so it's it's been a while. Now, but kind of. Yeah, but in, in those three months, I think that you've really made a footprint for yourself, oh, which thanks. is cute because you're like five foot nothing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, 4'10 for anyone. Oh. Are you really? <laughs> so you, you gave her a lot of credit there. Wow, I thought I was, I was going a little too no, low. No, I'm not even five feet. Wow. So, yeah. So um, what what brought you to Idaho? Where are you from? So I'm from a state in the West that I know we're not too happy to have people from here. But I'm from California. I'm from the Bay Area, um, San Jose, for anyone who knows where that is. Um, so I was working, though, at the Las Vegas Review Journal. I was covering like a lot of community stuff. And I just kind of wanted something different. Um, I wasn't looking specifically in Idaho, so. How did so you how did find that? out about yeah. Idaho? What, why? Why did you come here? Why? Why are why? you here? Why? <laughs> um, so I just, was just drawn to the job. I saw it posted, and I am just, I feel like in all of my positions, I've always gone to the stories I write from, like, my background, which is my mom is uh, Mexican and my dad's white. So I've gone, I've wanted to tell stories of Latinos and wanted them to be more representative in news. Uh, and so this job is like perfect for that passion of mine. Mm -hmm. So I just went and applied and the Idaho Press editors called me and the rest is history. Well, wow. We're glad you're here. I think it's super important to have a reporter that covers what your your beat. I think that's super important. I think it's cool right now that we have three in Idaho that are doing that and it's three strong women that are doing mm -hmm. it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it's really, um, and they all came from outside of Idaho. Both you and Nicole came from California and then Megan Taros over at um, the Times News in Twin Falls. She came from New York. And so, um, you know, you, the three of you ladies have not grown up in this area, but each of you have just really 
really like immediately dived in and got to know just right to the bottom. Like you immediately know all about the community, you know about our issues, you know about our history in such a short amount of time. And so we're so impressed and we're so glad that you're you're here and you're doing this work. I feel like it's mostly because of the community. Like immediately when I started, I was just like meeting with whatever Idaho Latina would meet with me. And <laughs> they all like met with me and told me their stories. So it's a lot um, of, I guess, my success has to do with the community here. Oh, well, they're humble. so happy to have you here. That's why. <laughs> Yeah, so we, we're really excited. And you've written a lot of really good uh, stories since you've been here. Um, and we're, we're going to talk about one in particular in this podcast. But before we do, um, we want to talk about a couple, one thing that just happened um, and one thing that's just about to happen. So uh, recently there was Latino Fest and I think all of us attended it, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> Not necessarily all at the same time, but we, <laughs> but were, we were all there. there. Yeah. And it was, it was cool to um, see like so many food vendors that were so diverse yeah wasn't that cool you had what, Honduran you had Puerto Rican you had uh, Mexican you had Salvadorian it was like all kinds of food Brazilian yeah do you remember that um we were we went out to lunch right before we went to Latino yes. Fest and I specifically didn't eat so that I could eat as much as I possibly could at Latino Fest and then I got to Latino Fest and I ate nothing I completely forgot there were so many things to yeah. do and so many things to look well, at you ran into I forgot a lot of I was friends that you hadn't seen in for a long time so yeah I mean there and there were just so many people to talk to so many there was the music I was dancing a lot there was um, the performers I was watching the performers. There was just so much to do, and I just completely forgot the whole reason I went, which was for food. For me, it was so <laughs> great just because it was so many friends that you hadn't seen in a while and friends mm-hmm. that you were there with, and it was a lot of yeah. just friendly stuff, and it was fun to have every, catch up with everybody. Yeah, and it was great to, to dance to music. And this was your first big yeah. Latino event, right? Yeah, it was my first time, so I came kind of late, um, so a lot of the, it was like right when all the food places were closing oh, down. No. <laughs> But yeah, it was so cool. And there were still like so many people there listening to music. So I mean, just Mm. the whole idea, like I didn't have to go to appreciate the whole idea of it. Like I think it's amazing to have. It was a fun event. It was. It was a good event. And then we have another fun, I guess it's an event, a thing coming up. Um, So Hispanic Heritage Month? Yeah, that thing. Yeah, that, that starts I on just, Sunday. I had a brain fart. <laughs> September 15th. Yeah, so September 15th through October 15th, yes. which is a really weird, like, quote-unquote month. Um, that's Hispanic Heritage Month. And, you know, same same dates every year. And the reason why they have it um, start at, on September 15th is that a lot of um, countries that are south of, the, yeah, south of the United States um, have their Independence Days like September 15th, September 16th, 16th September 18th. Like they're all right around this time. Right. Um, and so that's kind of why it's not like just a month. It's sort of like in yeah. between So Lyndon B. Johnson started it as a weekly thing. And I think it was Ronald Reagan who made it into a monthly thing. Oh, interesting. And so um, I'm not definite, but I think that's how it was. And so a lot of people ask, like, why do you start in the middle? And a lot of people, I've had somebody ask me, they're like, why is it only two weeks? I'm like, uh, no, September 15th through October 15th is a month. Yeah. And so, yeah. But we're doing something pretty fun this um, time that both Rachel and I are part of. Woo-hoo. So as of 
um, at the beginning of, of Hispanic Heritage Month, she's my nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have a few days left to be friendly to yeah. each other. And so she, we are doing a fitness challenge. We want to uh, promote um, good fi- fitness, good health during Hispanic Heritage Month. And so we're partnering with the Idaho Press, the Idaho Statesman, the Times News, Boise Police Department, Twin Falls Police Department, and the College of Southern Idaho to do this. And so with our office, the Idaho Commission on Hispanic Affairs, so there's four teams that are be competing. Every day, um, Boise PD is going to um, give us our challenge. And every day, the challenge is going to be harder. So it's going to be like on oh day one, for example, it might be today you have to do 25 push-ups, eight burp- burpees. That's where you're starting. <laughs> and then like walk so many miles or run so many miles. And um, what I appreciate from all these participants is is that they will be doing these challenges and then posting videos or pictures of them doing these challenges on social media. So if you want to find it on social media, um, we'll be using the hashtags Hispanic Heritage Month and hashtags Ganas Idaho. So that's G-A-N-A-S Idaho. Um, because we want to, we really do want to promote good health mm-hmm. during, because, um, you know, a lot of non-Hispanic businesses tr- tend to really support um, or not support, but tend to promote um you know, the drinking and that stuff during Hispanic Heritage Month. So we want to make sure that we're promoting good health and stuff like that. And so, yeah, so Rachel is leading the Community Council of Idaho team. <laughs> and so, yeah, she will for you, one that month. That was such, be... like, fake I'm enthusiasm. I'm about the 25 push-ups on day one. <laughs> that was just an example. I don't know what they're going to give us, but... Um, you know, so starting Hispanic Heritage Month, she will be my nemesis because mm-hmm. my team okay. is going to be competing against her team. Great. Pitting, well, pitting you have a dead person on your team yeah. as your team captain, so I don't know yeah. it's going to go. Yeah. Well, I have a ghost as my team captain. <laughs> and then Twin Falls has um, Megan Taros from the Magic Valley as yes. their team captain. And they also, I think, have an advantage on the other team because they have Officer Martin Becerra, who's the Hispanic liaison for the Twin Falls Police Department. And he's pretty fit. <laughs> And he's on their team. Yeah, he's their that team seems captain. Like an unfair advantage. I know. So, <laughs> but I think four we're ten. Rachel. Remember, <laughs> four for ten. But, so upset. but your team, this community council of Idaho, has won like three times. Oh, nice. well, that's because I was running it. Yeah, I'm that's kidding. when Rebecca did it a few years back. But um, yeah, so and as team captain, she's going to be motivating her team. Yes. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. I feel like my team's already sassing it up on Twitter, though. Yeah, they are. <laughs> All right. And so Rebecca tweeted out that she's going to be drinking champurrado and watching us. That's right. I'm going to be like, run faster. (laughs) As she drinks. You guys are going too slow. (laughs) Echale gana. She drinks her Mexican hot chocolate. (laughs) Oh, by the way, we should explain what ganas means. Ganas, Um, Idaho. So um, how would I explain it? Um, It's like, um, like, oh, gosh. What does like, it mean? Like chutzpah, like a, it's like like, like, the, is like come on, you can do to, it. Yeah, kind like of encouragement. It kind of means like encouragement, right? Like, yeah, it's like, like um, throwing encouragement out there. Like your batteries, it's right. Like your and the reason we did Ganas Idaho because Hispanic Heritage Month is nationwide. That hashtag, so we wanted to have an Idaho hashtag, right. and so the ghost and I came up with that Ganas Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> You've been speaking to ghosts a lot. Lately. I see dead people. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, so that's um, that's really exciting, something that we look forward to. Yeah, so just check out. I mean, everybody's going to be using different forms of social media for it. Some people say, I'm going to use Instagram. Some people just use Facebook. Some people use Twitter. And so just check us out. And then as a team captain, she'll probably hopefully be retweeting what she sees from her team. And then same with all the other team captains. 
Great. And then thank you to Boise PD. That's going to be doing each challenge and making it harder every day. Um, at the end, of the last day of Hispanic Heritage Month, they want us to go to their place and see if we can pass their um, fitness challenge for their officers. Yeah, JJ <laughs> did not tell me this when he asked me. <laughs> she this. thought she didn't read the fine print of her contract. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So, I'm kind of excited I'm not participating this year. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds kind of intense. As you sit there eating your bonbons. <laughs> Be like, I'm a two time winner, you guys. <laughs> Hurry up. <gasps> well, um, good luck to the both Thank of you. you. And for that. we have Sounds some other terrible. serious stuff to talk about. Yes, yes, we do. So, um, Rachel, we thought for your first time on the podcast, we assume that you're going to be on here frequently. Um, if if you would have us. <laughs> Maybe I yeah. can pencil you guys in occasionally. She's like, talk to my agent. Yeah. You're so gracious. As her agent, she's fine. She's good. Oh, good. We got it. Thank she's you. She's in. I keep forgetting Ash has access to a microphone. <laughs> I'm unstoppable. <laughs> okay, so we would like to talk to you, Rachel, about one of your more recent That's articles. It's a very important story. Yeah, um, and we think that... It's it's worth really diving into. Um, and so how long, well, this is about, the, the title of your article is um, Diversity Gap Persists in Local Law Enforcement, But New Efforts Are Gaining Steam. And it had a really nice picture, actually, from Latino Fest of some of the officers talking to the people who attended Latino Fest. It was, it was um, nice, a nice picture, a nice kind of tie for the, for the kind of yeah. what you're talking about. Art is so hard. Like cuz we have so many pictures of just like police officers, but it, I felt like it tied kind of yeah. the whole thing together. Well, they were very so. visible at Latino Fest yeah. and I talked yeah. to Boise PD yesterday and they were telling me that their officers had such a great time at Latino yeah. Fest that they just want send they want to sign up for next year because of all the food that they got to taste. Uh-huh. So. <laughs> they told me the same thing that they like gave out all their stickers and talked to people and stuff, so Well, that's yeah. cool. Um, so the the article that you wrote, um, it talks a little bit about uh, the diversity gap that uh, um, exists in local law enforcement and how currently local law enforcement does not reflect the community that um, they serve and protect. So, for example, you had a lot of statistics in there. Um, 36% of the population in Caldwell, for example, is Latinx. But only 7% of the police in Caldwell, the Caldwell Police Department, is Latinx. And that's a really big and yeah. gap. By that, that doesn't mean officers, right? That just means their staff? Or is no, that just an officer? Officers, okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you had a lot of, you You went through Boise, Caldwell, Nampa, Meridian, Canyon County, Ada County. And you you brought out the statistics in, in all of them. And all of them show um, a significant gap. So Caldwell was a really big gap. Um, the Nampa Police Department is also a really big gap. It's six point five percent Latinx on the force, but only uh, but twenty four percent of the general population. Which you know, Nampa and Caldwell kind of get that reputation of like they're the part, they're mm-hmm. the places where yeah. the Mexicans are, and they it seems like they have the biggest gap mm-hmm. um, in right in yeah in diversity in the in the police force. Um, so let's just kind of start off. Um, with you telling us a little bit about this article, like why did you choose to write this article? Like what gave you the idea? Did you have any challenges while you were writing it? Yeah, so I first want to say I wrote this with my coworker Emily Lowe, who covers public safety um, at the Idaho Press. She does good work. I've yeah, read her articles. She does really good work, and she 
So it kind of started off by it, it, there were like several conversations, mostly when I first started, just with like people in the community asking what issues they were facing, and a lot of them said the cops, and a lot of them brought up like Canyon County Sheriff's Office working with ICE and mm-hmm. just not feeling safe. And I think a lot of that has to do with the um, national conversation going on, but mm-hmm. a lot of it is local, and like local people are feeling it from their police officers. So that kind of sparked it. And then conversations with Emily, who um, was also interested in looking at like the demographics of um, police officers. I was kind of more interested in just like the relationship between Latinos and the cops um, in Canyon County. And then she was like, oh, a good way to look at that would be to see how many, how diverse their uh, forces are. Mm -hmm. So that it all kind of came together. It was a lot of work. Actually. It was really in depth. You did a really good job with it. Yeah, it yeah. was so much work. And like Holly, our editor, worked with us a lot on it. Because um, at first, like we didn't have all of those statistics. And I just kind of kept saying like, there's a gap. People are like quoting people saying there's a gap. And she was the one who was like, okay, we have to actually show it. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, basically just getting um, all of these because they were all the those um, numbers all came from public records requests. And so you get like a certain amount of time. And then I think all of those extended. So they all like took up the week or so to um, give us the records. So it took a while just to get the records. Wow. And didn't I, I think I read in the article that you were denied access to public records for one of them? Yeah, so that was, okay, so in addition to the police officer demographics, we also wanted to look and see if anyone had filed formal, and these are formal complaints, like, filed with these agencies, not just people talking um, about uh, racial profiling. And so we got all of the records and all of them except Boise So Emily was dealing with this request, but basically they said there were two or three um, reports filed, but they wouldn't give it to us because of, like, personnel matters. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we were denied those, um, which it it was really interesting that they told us that there were complaints made, but we're not going to give them to you. So, uh, yeah. And that was that was interesting because um, in the article, it also said there there were no complaints of racial profiling that were filed with uh, the law enforcement agencies in Meridian, Caldwell, Canyon County or Ada County. Wow. And that's garbage. (laughs) Because let's let's pretend that, um, you know, if we were to talk to them and they're public PR people, they'd be like, oh, it's because we're doing such a great job mm-hmm. and we don't racial profile, right. racially profile. And we all know that that's BS. So, with, that, with, that, with that, to me, it raises red flags to me because mm-hmm. it's saying, oh, so a lot of stuff is going un- unreported. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what that means. It doesn't mean that it's not right. happening. Yeah. It means that nobody's reporting that. Exactly. And that's why I tried to specify, like, that no formal complaints were made because everyone everyone talks about it. Like you just right. have to talk to one. That was probably person. like the first conversation you had when you moved here, right? Yeah, you just have to talk to one yeah. per like one brown person in Canyon yep. County, and they'll be like, "Yeah, it's." And horrible. I don't think it's just in Canyon County, honestly, because I mean we travel the state, and mm-hmm. I've heard it all over the state. So. Right. I mean, yeah. I can tell you all my stories. They there's so many of them. Back when I used to look more brown than I currently do, 
I whited it up a little bit. She was chola. After she moved to Meridian. <laughs> she became a Meridian housewife. You guys are so savage. <laughs> yes. A real housewife's a Meridian starring Rebecca De Leon. <laughs> no, that's, that's not a thing that's happening. So we all know that racial profiling happens because us in the in the Latino community we experience it right. we live it all the time and there absolutely is racial profiling I can just give you my own story because I don't know that um, you, there was any room in your article to have someone go on the record and say any kind of profiles um, but I have so many so many stories of um, being pulled over because I quote unquote looked lost when I was literally just driving down the street. I wasn't making any turns. How does one look lost? That's exactly. weird to me. Yeah, that is so that weird. I've been pulled over so many times for quote unquote looking lost. And by the way, do you have your license, insurance, and registration, please? I've been pulled over for not having a turn signal on in a turn only lane that had a concrete barrier so I couldn't go straight if I wanted to. I have I've been pulled over there's this one time, one day in an old car that I had, I got pulled over four times in wow. an hour and a half for having a taillight out. And by the time I got pulled over for the fourth time, I was livid. I was like, I get it. My taillight is out. Like, do you want to see all the other warnings that I got in the last, like, not even two hours? Home, yeah. Home, so. And I was like, I'm going to get it fixed. Like, literally went out this morning. Chill out. And... I mean, I have so many stories. There was one that was particularly terrorizing where we were doing absolutely literally nothing wrong. And I, everybody was told to get out of the car. We were all brown people. And we had to sit on our hands on the sidewalk for two hours while the cop did nothing. We ended up getting charged with nothing, not even a speeding ticket. But here's the thing, and this is where I think this discrepancy in the racial profiling happens. I was 22 at the time, and I didn't know that I had rights, first of all. I didn't know um, that I could make a complaint for such a thing. I didn't know what the process was. Like, if, I mean, if I don't even know that you can make a complaint, obviously, I'm not going to know where to start. So... Um, I think that's why they don't have any. I think it's number one, fear of law enforcement is why they're not saying anything. And number two, they don't know. Number three, they don't have any faith in the system because it has been shown time and time again that you go, you say, like, I was I have experienced racism by the police. We all know how that ends up. Mm -hmm. Right. They're just like, wow, it sucks to be you moving on with life. No, nothing's going to happen. This person's not going to get in trouble. I mean, we have white police officers that are shooting and killing black people mm -hmm. and not getting charged with anything unarmed black people not getting charged with anything we all know how that works and so why would we trust well, the cops like when we travel through the state we meet with police departments across the state and there was one um not here in the treasure valley but did say oh yeah your people again your people yeah we're good with them they never call us we never have to deal with them like that doesn't raise a red flag to you? like. Yes, I think the know. actual quote was, well, we don't get any calls from the Hispanic population, so everything is cool. Yeah. Like, what planet do you live on? What so that does raise some, raise, raises flags because you're like, there's probably some domestic violence stuff that's getting, you know, non -re not reported. There's probably, you know, child abuse, all kinds of stuff that's not being reported and they don't see an issue. Mm -hmm. And that's frightening. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, a question for you, Rachel. Um, you had interviewed Ed Moreno, which we love him. We had him on our yes. podcast, of course. Mm -hmm. He's the um, Hispanic liaison for the Boise Police Department. Mm -hmm. um, in your article, it's, he said that 
he has seen a divide between the judicial system and the Latino community. He said that in his experience, Latinos are often eager to provide information about a crime to officers, like they're cooperative, um, but they don't want to get heavily involved. They don't want to um, characterize themselves as crime victims, Mm -hmm. and they don't want to get involved in the court process. So my question to you is... Do you do you did you get a sense when you were interviewing him of why that happens that way? Well, I think it's it's similar to what you said is we have seen people of color not being treated fairly in the criminal justice system. And I mean, like you just have to look at our prison system and see how many black and brown people there are like in that system um, versus white people just to see that it doesn't work with us. It like seems to work against us historically. And so I think that plays a factor and um, like judges and people in the judicial system that you're supposed to learn from and look up to like lawyers, they don't look like you. So it's, it's hard to trust people, but when you haven't been treated well and you haven't seen your people treated well um, by those people. So I think it's like a whole systematic issue. Mm -hmm. So if law enforcement officers were to carry out or enforce the law the same as they're all trained to, why is representation important in um, the police departments and our, and our law enforcement system? Well, I think first the language barrier is a huge thing. And um, just from talking with Emily, there have been situations in um, Nampa and Caldwell where police can't talk to as many witnesses or witnesses won't come forward because they don't have a police officer that speaks Spanish. So that's a huge thing. And um, just you, the trust is not there if, if the police don't look like you. That's true. That's I true. think, though, sometimes even just speaking Spanish, whether it's not even, even that's not good Spanish, that helps a, lo- a lot, too. A lot, yeah. And so I think, you know, police departments should invest in that. And even I talked to um, Judge Gutierrez, and he mentioned that um, it, it just having even, yeah, like you said, people who might not be like fluent or native speakers, just trying makes you feel better because you know that like, okay, they're trying to conversate with me. They want to know my side. And right. if someone doesn't even speak the language you're most comfortable in, it's hard to believe they actually want to hear your side. Right. Like they're exactly. making an effort for you. Exactly. And so, yes, this was one of the the people that you interviewed for this article was retired Judge Gutierrez, who's the also been Hispanic in our podcast. Yeah, I got all my sources from the Latino cards. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was pretty heavy. I mean, I you know, know. We, gonna, was, we will was be sending that. you an invoice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Judge Gutierrez did mention, too, that um, he's seen a lot of changes and it's a step in the right direction. But when he was on the podcast, he mentioned, um, you know, why representation is important in in his side of like the, the law, the legal mm-hmm. system. And it was, um, you know, he, he pointed to language access, which you mentioned. Um, he also pointed to trust. I mean, you know, um, Ed Moreno had mentioned that they don't want to go into the court system. They don't they don't trust anybody mm-hmm. to give them a fair well, and judge mentioned like, in his first case. Remember saying that the interpreter was completely wrong right. in their mm-hmm. interpretation. So, yeah. So um, there it sounds like from your article that that's also kind of on the other other end of law enforcement as mm-hmm. well. There, there's the lack of trust. There's the language access. And um, as Ed Moreno mentioned at the very beginning of your article, you can't be what you can't see. He said that he got in, um, 
you know, he, he decided to go and become a police officer because he had a really good relationship with a police officer when he was a kid mm-hmm. playing soccer together. And he was a really good mentor. And so um, baseball. Baseball. That's my bad. Yeah. Did you read it, Rebecca? Oh. <laughs> I'm just I'm just wow. Th- some shade right there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll just see myself out now. I know nothing. Nothing. <laughs> but I know that that's what Ed Moreno is working for toward now. Mm-hmm. He wants to be that mentor for you know, for somebody else. And so um, your your article did mention that there are, are a lot of steps in the right direction. Um, but I think that there's there's everybody seemed to have kind of the same approach to it of like these are our steps in the right direction, but we still have so much to do. And one thing that really stuck out to me too was how they how officers who speak Spanish on the force um, are compensated in Nampa. or not compensated or not compensated. Mm-hmm. So yes, in Nampa, um, you had mentioned that they offer a pay incentive to officers who speak Spanish. Uh, they're the only police agency in the Treasure Valley to do so, and they offer a whopping two percent extra or thirty cents an hour. Are you kidding me? And then Caldwell gives nothing. They give nothing. If you bother to learn, why would you bother to learn Spanish if you get nothing for it? It makes no sense. Why? Does Boise, because, you know, Boise did the Spanish right. classes. Mm-hmm. So do they offer, I mean, the Spanish classes that they did, they did were conversational Spanish. It wasn't like in-depth mm-hmm. Spanish. They, they want to make sure that they have officers that can, you know, converse with you until they get probably Ed there or somebody else. Right. But um, that's, I think that, again, it's a start and it's a Band-Aid approach. Right. But at least they're trying, but at I don't know if they're, they're paying more. Yeah, we didn't find that they are, they're not paying. When this article came out, they weren't having a pay raise if you speak Spanish. But at the very least, I mean, I mean, they should offer, everybody should offer a significant increase in pay because that's an entire new skill and that's a gap that yeah. you could bridge for 30 cents an hour. That's that's offensive. So looking at all of the things that are in this article and then looking at that pay raise, it kind of makes the rest seem a bit superficial exactly. just because, yeah, it's like, oh, we're going out into the community. We have these Spanish classes. We have the soccer game, but we won't pay you more if you speak Spanish. So it, it's hard. Like, I, I want to believe that they're trying and they're trying in these little ways, but I do think that there are a lot of easy, big ways that you can try harder. And I do know that police departments are um, trying to get our younger um, guys and girls into the force um, with our youth summits. Now, you know, we used to be just Boise PD, but now we also have Jerome PD. We have Twin Falls PD. And I think Haley's going to partner with one of the police stations also there to talk about, you know, this is what you need to do if you want to become a law work in um, the police department. So they're doing baby steps, but Mm -hmm. I mean, for me, I would love them to start doing leaps. Yeah, and that was one thing a lot of people said um, was that you have to start at the school, like you have to be visible to young people because if like these brown kids have these white officers in front of them, it's not, that's not going to encourage them, but you're inspired when you see that, so. Well, and that's what Mm -hmm. I love about Ed Moreno, and Rebecca, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you see him at all the Latino events. He's um, 
you know, on Dia de los Muertos, he's at Dia de los Niños, he's at Latino Fest, he's at Hispanic Heritage Month, he's at the Youth Summits. He's everywhere, and he's not only there, but he's not only there, but he's also volunteering there to help those organizations um, put these things. So he brings officers with him to help us, you know, fill up the bags, help set up, tear down, and all that stuff. So he does a really good job with it, and so they are visible there, and Mm -hmm. he takes them to our legislative receptions, and he's like, you guys will be here, and, you know, you guys will do this, and... You know, obviously, Mexican food also helps bring more officers, but he, <laughs> Mexican food but helps he, bring everyone together. Right. But he really does work hard to make mm-hmm. sure that he's visible. But he's right. just one. Yeah, that's he true. He's just one, and yeah, the whole Treasure Valley. Yeah, yeah. he so. really is the Treasure Valley liaison. Yeah. He just yeah. gets paid for being the Boise one. Right, and and. Twin Falls has one. Yes, Twin Falls has Officer Martin Becerra, who is um, doing that, um, and he, I'm. Not really that familiar with his work, but it sounds like um, he's out there also kind of trying to be just like it is in the Magic Valley. Mm -hmm. So I think looking at the situation, um, we can see two very clear, distinct sides, right? We can see that there are some very serious issues um, between the Latino community or the Latinx community and police, but we also see some bright spots. And so um, recently the Twin Falls Police and the Boise Police um, sheriffs signed on to a letter that was the chiefs sent of police. Out. The chiefs of police. Yeah, sorry. Thank you. I've been learning a lot about differences um, when be, uh, going around Same. the state because I'm like, oh wait, <laughs> sheriff police department. Like, but it's yes, their two you. chiefs of police um, have signed this and um, saying that they want people to call the police. They want everybody to be, feel safe, knowing that they're there to help everybody in the community um, saying that they're not going to work with ICE, that they will, um, and this is how I understood it, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but that they will not work with ICE unless there's a warrant for an arrest, and then they, by law, have to help. But um, other than that, they will not be, you know, asking anybody for their documentation. So the tone of the letter, yes, the tone of the letter was, um, to me, it was deeply inspiring because... Uh, they they recognize that their role as police officers is to pr- to serve and protect the entire community, Correct. and that includes immigrants. And they understand that if immigrants don't trust the police, if they're scared of the police, then they're less likely to report, and that actually creates more crime. Exactly. Um, because if you you know if you commit a crime against an immigrant, knowing that they're not going to um, reach out to police for help, it it you know why not? commit a crime mm-hmm. and you know there's more you're more likely to get away with it and so um they they recognized that it makes our communities less safe when parts of our communities don't feel like they can go to the police for things yes you said it way more eloquently than i could sure but, did uh, <laughs> but i sexy voice yeah. <laughs> but i really do appreciate like what boise and twin falls are doing like i said they're doing baby steps but uh, you know they know that they have a long way to go and they admit that they're doing it um but again we have other police departments who like will come up to them and be like so you know we have so many cases of people that are saying there's racial profiling they're like nope it doesn't happen i'm like yes you're so quick to say no it doesn't happen and i really did appreciate a different police department that i met with and we told them we got these complaints and i loved the fact that he got angry and he's like i hope this is wrong i'm gonna go look at all my body cams and if i find that they did this you know, there will be some consequences. And I was appreciative that yeah, that's he great. didn't say, nope, this didn't happen. He's like, 
he was literally mad and he's like, I'm going to go and look at all those body cams right. to make sure it did not happen. And I and I, ha- I have seen that happen so much. Not that. That's unique. Yes. That reaction is unique. I was unique. so happy when I saw that. The, the reactions are typically like, no, not me. I don't racially profile. Maybe mm-hmm. some other people do if you have some statistics, but not me. If you have some statistics, I'm not the one doing it, not me. And it's always those people that have that reaction and get defensive. It's usually those are the ones that are guilty. Mm-hmm. So in my stories that I mentioned earlier where I was very obviously racially profiled, I already can hear somebody listening to those stories and be like, but what did you do? Why did the cop make you? What you did look you lost, do? lost, Rebecca. Yeah, no, <laughs> like what? there's something that you're omitting from the story that actually makes you more guilty than you're trying to portray yourself. Yeah, what what part of the story did you not tell? On like, and I probably shouldn't be posting all this stuff but like on different um social media news outlets you know there's always somebody that's on there that's going to automatically immediately defend racism yeah and they're like well but what about this and i'm like can't you just you know or they, you need to build a case for it for a lot of people like yeah. you need to be able to give every single detail and let them like suss it out because otherwise they're just going to assume that you're making it up that happens that's what always happens that's why when you try and bring up racism they're always like no no but prove it though like when you were made to sit on your hands for almost two hours why did you get pulled over did you have drugs did you at least look like you had drugs no we weren't speeding in fact what happened is it was on new year's eve oh so they ruined your new year's and i need nobody in the vehicle yes they did because we were held past Midnight. Oh my god. And we were driving to the place where we were going to celebrate. We hadn't had a single drop of alcohol, no speeding, no swerving. We didn't have anything in the vehicle. There was nothing that we were doing wrong. And we were told to get out of the car. We were scared. We didn't know what they were going to do. It was just one cop. And he held us there for hours. We missed our party and we didn't do anything. And he eventually just let us go because. And, and we didn't well, get any warnings. To get home for New Year's. No side. Well, obviously he was on duty. It didn't I know, even but matter. I'm just- but like, I mean, for him not when to just you bring hold you there uh, and not really tell you why or nothing is well, it's it's racial freaking profiling, right. and we have so many instances of when this happens. I didn't make a complaint at the time because I didn't know. And probably was that before social media too. That I don't even know. Because I'm just probably. thinking, like now, I think it's a little bit easier. I'm not saying it's it's any better, but at least people it's now true. are like, oh, we have That's you know right. Ana Navarro, who is a Republican. GOP strategist. She said something that really struck me because she's like, in this day and age, always have your phone with you. Yes. And record, record, record Record. because it's going to help you. Yeah. Yeah. And there, um, you know, and I think that there's there's a lot. There there are a couple of people, Rachel, that you had interviewed in your article that said, um, you know, this is a local thing and it's a national thing and it's very much tied to the conversation that's happening. I think um, Natalie Camacho Mendoza said that. Mm -hmm. Um, George Gutierrez said that. Um, you know, and so this is also this this article that you wrote came on the heels of what happened in El Paso. So can you tell us a little bit about um, how that factored into kind of why you wrote this and, and what the conversation was like? Mm-hmm. So pretty much a few days after um, El Paso happened, I actually put out on my Twitter like um, and I saw a lot of local journalists doing that is asking how local people felt following that when, like you said, Mexicans were specifically targeted. And um, so I put something out. A few people reached out to me and um, 
they it, it's just like random things that they were saying like one woman told me that she'll turn down her like mexican music in her car mm-hmm. when she's in certain places uh, yeah. yeah or like a lot of people were saying that they won't speak spanish in public or that um they're scared if they're in like a walmart or a winco and they see someone open carrying which happens a lot in idaho mm-hmm. so just things like that of course are like always on my mind when i'm writing stories like this. And then um, Natalie Camacho Mendoza told me that um, she was watching after El Paso, she was watching um, some Latinas, young Latinas being interviewed on television. And they were saying how hurt they were that um, people see us as, I don't remember the exact terms, but it's basically as like these horrible people. All they see is my skin color. And Like, that had a huge effect on her, and that was something she told me broke her heart and that she doesn't want young Latinas to say here. Like, she wants people to feel safe. And I, I, from this article, I do think that Treasure Valley law enforcement wants people to feel safe and that there are people like Judge Gutierrez who's in that community and also in the Latino community and and wants to bridge that gap and wants people to know that... um, He's he's looking out for them. Yeah. And so Natalie Camacho Mendoza, for people who may not remember, she is the um, city of Boise director of the pol- the Office of Police Oversight. And she's also the owner of uh, Camacho Mendoza Law Office. And so she would probably be well poised to see what it what the relationship is between mm-hmm. um, police officers and the Latinx community. So um, in writing this, I mentioned that we kind of went through several phases. Um, towards the end, I I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of a process that a lot of reporters go through where you're really excited about something, you think it's the most important thing in the world, and then you slowly kind of like get bogged down by the workload. And so in the end, Emily and I were just kind of like, does this stuff, does all this work even mean anything? Like, will people care? Will people read it? So, um, I mean, I'm glad you guys did and you guys <laughs> care. <laughs> well, yes, we care. And that's and it's another thing like um, writing these articles is extremely important, important to, to our community. community more. I mean, I can't speak for communities that I'm not a part of, but I do know that it is important to our community. And we um, we definitely noticed this article. We noticed a lot of other very big articles like um, the one that the Idaho Press published earlier uh, this year that talked about the very, very close relationship between the Canyon County Sheriff's Office and ICE and how they are absolutely just looking at a person and deciding whether or not that person is foreign yeah, born and I should really get involved. That was that was horrible. insane. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that also plays into why we are um, untrusting of police officers because we know that they're untrusting of us and that they're, you know, they're not treating us fairly. And we have proof. We know mm-hmm. that it's happening. So, um, you know, when I was reading this, I, I felt like the overall article was very optimistic. And I did feel very optimistic after I read your article. Like, you know, I, I think that they are trying to make an effort, but we certainly have so much to go. So, Rachel, uh, before we wrap up, just one last question. Um, after having done the research that you did, do you feel like um, police departments are bridging the gap are we as a community are we bridging this gap so i don't think the gap is far from being bridged 
But um, I think that there are, like JJ was saying, there are baby steps being made. I do think that something big needs to happen. I don't know if it's national politics-wise or it could be someone locally, but I do think someone needs to come in and say, this isn't enough. And um, I, I, so I, I don't think it's enough um, because, like you mentioned, um, Canyon County Sheriff's Office working with ICE, like that was horrifying to a lot of communities. And like they need to step it up. If if they're going to work that closely with ICE, like they need to step it up in other ways. Um, and so I, I don't think it's enough quite yet. Well, I'll go ahead and do you a favor, and I'll be the one to say it. This is not enough, (laughs) y'all. It's been said now on this (laughs) podcast officially. Okay, so uh, this has been another episode of the Latino Card. We would like to thank Rachel again for coming on. Rachel, thank you so much for for coming on. Thank you. I'm so so excited to be here yes thank you and thank you for writing this yeah i really feel it you guys (laughs) you're part of our familia now (laughs) yes yes and and it's your turn to cook dinner oh my god sorry you didn't read the fine print in that contract (laughs) yes and thank you to you and emily lowe for for writing this article i think this was a really good really great article thank you yeah emily did so much too So um, thank you all for listening uh, to this episode of The Latino Card. If you want to get a hold of us, we're available on Twitter at The Latino Card. And we're also available on Facebook at The Latino Card because we're extra official now. Um, JJ, Ash, Rachel, and I are all active on Twitter as well. So you can follow us individually on Twitter and or you can email us any kind of questions, comments, suggestions, (laughs) suggestions. Anything, any kind of um, comments that you want to make to us or any questions, you can email them to latinocard at gmail.com. Wait, latinocardidaho at gmail.com. Another drink. (laughs) (laughs) She'd be drunk. (laughs) And we would also, again, like to thank Joey Horton for our music, our theme music. music. We love it. We're very, very official now. We're very excited. Um, So thank you all for listening and we'll catch you all in the next episode. Bye. Hasta luego.